we've spent about 30 years overseas, and uh, we've been here, been there, been a few different places, but we've always had the desire to share the gospel with people who haven't heard it. And uh, as, we, as we come closer to the end of our years serving overseas, we're in our 60s now, 40 years from when we began, I wanted to share with you a little bit about some of the things we've learned. Now, depending on who you might talk to, different people learn different things. So this isn't necessarily the gospel, but it's just some things that we feel like we've learned, and so we want to share them with you. Um, I think the first, probably the most important thing we've learned is uh, described in 1 Timothy 2.4, where Paul tells us that God wants all people to be saved. Um, it's easy for us as Christians to think, you know, we think about a certain people group or a certain area or a certain language, and those are all important ways to um, categorize the needs of the world, but basically it's good also to just to remember that God wants to save everybody. I remember just a few months ago, Elspeth and I were in a, a uh, tourist town in China. We've been in China the last seven years, mainly teaching English to students, and we've used the Bible as our textbook. But we were up in a, a little tourist town. You, you may have heard of it, actually. It's way up in the mountains near Tibet, but it's called Shangri-La. Have you heard of Shangri-La? It actually exists. And uh, when we go out walking like that, I, I love stuffing my pockets full of New Testaments uh, just to pass, pass out to anybody I meet on the street. I kind of look for people who look like tourists, Chinese tourists. They tend to be nice, more nicely dressed maybe have a camera or something. They come from the bigger cities like Beijing or Shanghai, and they come to these little tourist towns. And in Asia, people love to tell you where they're from. It's a little bit like in the Old Testament. It talks about, you know, uh, someone from Bethlehem or someone from Nazareth. And so I always start by saying, well, where are you from? And they love to tell you that. And a couple months ago when we were in Shangri-La, I, I saw this young couple. I thought, aha, they, they look like tourists. So I went up to them and started talking. And after a few minutes, um, I, I pulled out a Bible and showed the guy, and he said he had never heard of the Bible before. I was just amazed. They were engineering students from one of the largest cities in China, and they had never heard of the Bible, which amazed me. You know, 2,000 years after Jesus, they still hadn't heard of the Bible, and he was so excited to get a copy. I gave him a copy. He was just beaming, and then I went on down the road, and he came running after me. He wanted to get a picture together because he was so excited to get it, and it just it kind of reminded me of the story of when Jesus heal the ten lepers, and one came running back to thank him. And so this guy came back, and I, and I just thought, wow, that wasn't a coincidence. You know, God wants to save everybody, and he, he had a reason for me meeting that guy up in that small little town. Um, earlier, I guess about a year ago, I was up near the up in northern China. We live down in the south, but I was up in northern China near the border with North Korea. 
Um, now, Elizabeth and I have, we've been in China seven years, but during that whole time, we felt an increasing burden for the North Koreans. We hear a lot about them in the news, and we've read some books from people who have escaped from North Korea. Uh, some of their experiences are just very tragic, and, and we've just kind of felt a burden to reach them and maybe try to help a few of them in some way. And so I was up there near the border of North Korea. I actually came to the border. I was in China, and there's a little river, and right across was North Korea. It's a very easy border to cross, actually. The border between North Korea and South Korea is like a war zone. That's, that's what we hear about the most. But up, up in northern North Korea and China, it's a, it's a pretty open border. I mean, they do have guards, but peop, that's how people get out of North Korea. And I was up there uh, visiting a friend up there and kind of looking around, seeing if maybe there was something we could do up there because a lot of North Koreans come into China and eventually find their way around to South Korea. Um, so I was up there thinking, is there something we could do up there to help these North Koreans? And we, went, we actually went to a North Korean restaurant in China. Okay, now, now China and North Korea are close allies, and they work together. And this was in a high-rise building. It was a North Korean restaurant. There were uh, waitresses there from North Korea. I wanted to get their pictures, but they were a little nervous, so I... I kind of had to take it when they weren't looking. Um, but my friend who was there with me, he said, these waitresses are never allowed out of the building. The whole time they work in China, which is their ally, they're never allowed to leave that building. They live there. They work there. I don't know if they're there a few years, however long it is, but they're never allowed out of the building. And that was just a, you know, a profound illustration to me of how controlled they are and how lacking in freedom they are. But, but again, God wants to save everybody, and He wants to save those people who are so controlled and, and lacking in freedom. So when I think of this verse in 1 Timothy that God wants to save everybody, I think of people like that, people in China who have never heard of the Bible these North Koreans who have no freedom at all. And then the second thing, I actually have ten points. I'm not going to, this is not a three-point sermon, but I'm, it's not going to be ten times as long as a sermon, so don't panic. I'm just going to go through real quick, and if I have to cut it short, I will. But, uh, the, so the first thing we've learned is that the good news is for everyone. The second thing we've learned is that Love is a universal language. And in John 13, you'll remember that verse. It says, all people will know that you are my followers if you love one another. What we found in China, uh, basically we went there because we saw that there were a lot of students who were interested in English. And I'm a businessman. I'm not a teacher. I hated languages in school. The last thing I ever wanted to be was a teacher, especially an English teacher. But everybody wants to learn English. So if you can speak English, it's an opportunity. And so that's what we were doing. We would, we would invite students into our home, university students. We would tell them we're happy to study English with you, which is what they wanted to learn, and we're going to use the Bible as our textbook. And they were happy to do that. Um, 
But what we found is that when we, when we opened our home to them, they really responded, and Elspeth was really good at doing that. She would, she would do baking for them. Sometimes they would tell us, you know, I just, I just come for the cookies and cake. That's all I come for. They were pretty honest. Um, but they were hearing the gospel, and they just really responded to the, just the simple love that we showed them. There was, there was one student, he would come over and hang out. Um, he even told us, he said, I want you to adopt me. Will you adopt me? Can I be part of your family? And there was another student, I remember, he used to come over with his girlfriend, and he would just lie on the floor and take a nap. He was, he was so comfortable, he would just lie down and take a nap. And so it, it's amazing how power, powerful a weapon, if you want to call it a weapon, that love is, you know, just showing kindness to people. And that's what we found, that love is a, is a powerful tool that speaks across nationalities, speaks across cultures, speaks across languages. And then third, uh, God uses what we have. I, I love the passage in Exodus 4 where God is coming to Moses. He's telling him, I want you to go to Pharaoh. And Moses said, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can't go to this great emperor. You know, I don't have anything. And God said, well, what's in your hand? And Moses had a staff. He had a stick. And so God said, use that. And I, I love that picture of how God... God doesn't expect us to be a Billy Graham or a Jim Brown or somebody else. He just expects us to be who we are, you know, just to use what we have. And I, I love that picture of how God told Moses, just use what you have. Um, again, I was a businessman. I, I wasn't used to working with students. Uh, but I had grown up, I had grown up in Korea on the mission field back 50 years ago or so. We didn't have a lot of hobbies. We didn't have the internet. Um, but I used to collect stamps. That was about all you could do back then. And, and just collecting stamps gave me an interest in the world. I learned about all these countries. I, just, I still remember that vividly. And, and so that gave me kind of a window on the world. It gave me an openness to the world. And God used that to give me a desire to help people in other lands. So even something small like that, um, God used our baking that, that Elspeth did. She used that to draw people. We went to China with our four youngest children. The, um, I don't know if you know, we actually have nine children. Five of them had left home, so we took the four youngest with us. But they also, you know, our family, they also were a, a draw. They also were something that God used to draw people. The Chinese students would love to come over and just play games with our kids and just to hang out. And, of course, then we would teach them the Bible, and they, and they learned that God loved them. So God uses what we have. And then fourth, um, there's great joy in sharing the message with people who've never heard. Uh, in Luke 15.10, it says, There is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And we, we felt a tremendous privilege to be able to share the gospel 
with people who had never heard it. I remember sometimes we would take a night train to the, um, the main city of our province, and I, I, it wasn't the most comfortable thing to do, but I actually loved going on those night trains because we were in a compartment with four bunks, so we kind of had a captive audience. Whoever, whoever was in there with us was sure to get a Bible and, and some speaking to. And I remember there was one young lady from one of the major cities, maybe Beijing, and we were talking to her, and we gave her a Bible. And I remember her, she said, you mean God loves me? She had, she had never heard that. She had never heard that there was a God that loved her. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a privilege we have to share that message. Um, there was another student. Uh, her mother had died when she was young. And a lot of these students are single children. You know, China has had this one-child policy, so a lot of the students grow up alone. So this girl, who we got to know very well, and she studied with us for several years, she only had her father. Her father was the only one in her family. And she became increasingly interested in the gospel. And uh, at one point, she went home during one of the school breaks, and she said to her father, um, what would you think if I became a Christian? And he said to her, you would not be welcome home anymore if you became a Christian. Um, that, that may sound a little shocking to us, but in the, in the Asian and Chinese mentality, if you become a Christian, you basically turned your back on your family and on your culture and on your country. It's a much bigger hurdle or change, you might say, than, than how we would feel about it here because they, they view Christianity and the Bible as, as very much a Western thing. So if you become a Christian, you're turning your back on everything that is meaningful to your family. But she wanted to do that, and she came back later. She was uh, speaking, she was studying with us, and she had tears coming down her face. It makes me choke just to think about it. And she said, I want to become a Christian, even after what her father said to her. And we just thought, wow, what a, what a privilege it is for us to be able to share uh, with someone who's never heard it before. So that, that was a great privilege that we had. Um, and then number five, I, I wrote down, be flexible. Um, in 2 Timothy 4, 6, Paul says, My life has been poured out as an offering to God. Paul, Paul was willing to go to any length in order to reach people. And if you go to a place like uh, China or some other places in the world, they're very, very different from what we're used to. And so you have to be willing to be flexible. You have to be willing to give up what's comfortable for you in order to reach people. I can remember, I, um, in addition to studying English in our home, I, in order to get a visa, I was teaching at an English school, so I had a teaching visa. And it would take me about an hour to get to the school. I had to walk about half an hour and then take about a half an hour bus. Um, and so as, as we got a little older, I, it got more and more tiring for me, and we began to think, I'm not sure how long we can keep doing this. But I can remember every time I was on the bus, it was crowded with all these farmers and, and just 
simple folk. And I remember always looking at all these people on the bus and thinking, who will tell them? Who will share the gospel with them? And it, it really requires, it requ it requires a willingness on our part to give up what's comfortable to us, to, to be flexible in order to share with people that God wants to save. Um, number six, um, age is not an issue, okay? So if you're, if you're as old as I am, you're not too old. Uh, seven years ago when we were getting ready, or eight years ago when we were getting ready to go to China, some people said, well, aren't you kind of old to be uh, reaching out to university students? Are you sure this is the right thing? Um, it probably would be if I was going to the University of Delaware. I might be a little old to reach out to students, but actually in Asia, they really look up to gray hair, and, and age is not a big issue. And so I'm reminded also of that, that verse in Genesis 17. It, it's almost a little comical. It says, when Abraham was 99, the Lord appeared to him. You know, and then he told him, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. It, it, it almost seems absurd, but perhaps God was making the point that he uses all of us, whatever age we are and whatever situation we are. And that's what we found. We found that if we're willing and if we're available, God will use us. We're, we're never too old, okay? So we can't use our age as an excuse not to be involved. Okay, and then number seven is uh, support is essential. In Proverbs 19, it says, Get all the advice you can so you will be wise. And it's people like you who have supported us all these years and given us the the support network, the advice, the structure, just everything we needed in order to be able to go out and serve overseas. And that's so important. We, we, we encountered a lot of people who came out to China with great enthusiasm and excitement, and they were going to uh, win the world for God, but they, sometimes they came without having put down a strong foundation. They didn't have a support network around them. And quite often, after a few months, they would, they would get discouraged, or they would run out of money, or they weren't clear on, on what they should do, and they would give up and go home. So having a support network, we found, was very, very important. And we just appreciate folks like you all that stood with us, that helped equip us for what we needed to do, and to make it possible for us to go out and share. Um, number eight is language is not everything. And in Matthew 5, it says, Be a light, live so that they will praise your Father in heaven. A lot of missionaries we met, and obviously it's a good thing, but they really focused on language. You must learn the language, and that is important. And I studied very hard for two years. I studied Chinese, and I can remember some days I would have class. I'd go home. I'd study for four hours, and the next day I couldn't remember a thing. <laughs> that happens when you get into your 50s. It's pretty hard to learn a new language. 
But what we found is that although language is important, it's not the most important thing. God will use us with what we have and with where we are. Thankfully, Elspeth learned the language better than I did. But God used what we had. He used our availability, our willingness, and He used our English, frankly. English was a big draw, so we didn't really have to know Chinese. And having a family also was helpful. So a lot of these things can compensate if you don't know the language. So for any of you who are wondering about going overseas, if you're not a good language learner, it doesn't matter. You can still go anyway. Okay, and then number nine, um, I wrote down culture is underrated. Now, what do I mean by that? Culture is underrated. It's not overrated. It's underrated. In 1 Corinthians 9, it says, I have become all things to all people because of the good news. Culture is very, very important. And some of the folks we, live, we worked with in, in China probably disagreed with me on that, but I felt like if you don't understand the culture, if you don't understand people, it's very hard to reach them. It's very hard to connect with them. We could give you bunches and bunches of stories about culture. Uh, my wife, now I grew up in Asia, so China was pretty comfortable to me, but my wife is a good Dutch girl, uh, very European, a little bit like the Swiss. You know, if you say four o'clock, she means four o'clock. And so students would come, we would invite them over, okay, come at four, okay, we'll be there. And she would look at her watch, oh, it's 4.03, they're not here. And, and I would tell her, you know, if they say four, they might come. It means they might come. It doesn't mean they're coming at four o'clock. It means maybe they will come. So you have to, you have to understand the culture. The, uh, thankfully, we didn't own a car. We probably would have gone crazy, but a lot of the foreigners did have cars, and the traffic there is really crazy. Uh, the yellow, the double yellow line down the middle of the road, that doesn't really mean anything. People would pass people on the left side of the yellow line. Sometimes there'd be a divided highway and people would be driving toward you on the shoulder coming at you instead of, you know, the way you are. I mean, pretty wild things. Um, and I would always tell foreigners who are frustrated with, the, with their driving, I would say, look, you, you need to understand in China, now here, basically, the biggest road has the right of way. If you're on an interstate and somebody comes in, they have to wait till it's clear because the interstate is the biggest road. In China, it's basically first come, first serve. So I might be going 60 miles an hour down a road, and if a bicycle comes out and he's there before me, well, he has the right of way, okay? If I run over him, it's my fault. He might lose his life, but it's still my fault <laughs> because he was there first. And so little things like that can tremendously frustrate you if you are not willing to accept how another culture does things. Food was also quite a challenge, you know, it was, they basically overdose everything with red hot pepper. Now, I was used to that because they do that in Korea too, but if you're not used to that, that can be a challenge. And, and there are so many little cultural things 
which if you're aware of and if you're willing to learn and if you're willing to be flexible about, that really speaks a lot to them. That opens their hearts to you. So culture, I think, is very important. And a lot of, a lot of foreigners would come out there they would want to do things the American way. They would want to set up an American business or do this or that. And they would get so frustrated because it just it wasn't America. It didn't work that way. And so uh, being aware and being teachable and willing to be flexible so that you would learn how they did things was very, very important. Finally, number 10. I wrote down uh, that nationals are not the goal. Okay, what do I mean by that? Paul said in 1 Corinthians, he said, Last of all, he showed himself to me. I am not even good enough to be called an apostle. And I said that because very often missionaries, and, you know, very rightly so, they want to start a work and then hand it over to nationals so that it'll, it'll be an indigenous work and, and it will be able to continue. And that's not bad. There's nothing wrong with that. But I, I feel like that's, that shouldn't be our end goal necessarily. I mean, it's certainly true that a Chinese pastor can share the gospel to another Chinese person in a way that I just can't. So they can, they can do some things much better than I can do. But... As a foreigner, we had a lot of advantages too. People were curious about us just because we were foreigners. People were curious about us because we had more than one child. People were interested because we spoke English. So although nationals are certainly important, again, I would say don't use that as, as an excuse not to get involved overseas or somewhere else. God, God can use any one of us, just like He used Moses, just like He used Paul. God uses any one of us where we are. And the nationals have an important place, but foreigners also have an important place. Um, so it's important to remember those things. So those are the ten things I wanted to share with you. Um, I, think, I think as much as anything... Uh, we, we learn that God loves everybody. Sometimes we forget that. You know, we hear the news, we hear that China is a big threat to us, or we hear the, all the saber rattling by North Korea, and we forget that God loves those people. Those are individuals that God loves. It's easy to forget that when we get wrapped up in the politics and everything that's going on the new, in the news. But I think as much as anything we learn that God loves everyone. And amazingly, as, as amazing as it is, He allows simple, ordinary, weak people like us to be involved in sharing His priceless treasure with the world. And that's a great privilege. It's also a responsibility, but it's a tremendous privilege that we have. So we, again, we want to thank you all for being part of our support team for helping us be able to go out and have the privilege of sharing God's message with the world. We thank you so much. Let me just close in prayer now. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you that you love us. You love each one of us. You also love people that 
We might consider our enemies, people perhaps that we're afraid of. You love each person. And what an amazing privilege it is that you give us the opportunity to share that good news with people, people who've never heard it. And we just thank you so much for that. We thank you for your love for each one of us. Uh, I thank you so much for these folks here. And we pray that you would continue to use each one of us as we sow your seed in the different places where you've put us. We pray that you would multiply that seed and use it for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.